This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. This show is brought to you by Pet King Brands, the makers of Zymox and Oratine. It's Behave with Arden Moore, the show that teaches you how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Join Arden as she travels coast to coast to help millions better understand why cats and dogs do what they do. Get the latest scoop on famous faces. They're perfectly pampered pets in Who's Walking Who in Rintin, Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails. Garner great pet tips and have a doggone fur-flying fun time. So get ready for the pause and applause as we unleash your all-behave host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome to the All-Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. You will quickly recognize the voice of our special guest today. That's because he has hosted the pet show for 40 years, reaching millions of people all over North America. We are delighted today to help him celebrate this mega milestone. Please give pause and applause to the one, the only, Warren Eckstein. Welcome to the show, Warren. So glad to be with you. You know, 40 years, I actually started at nine years old. Let me just get that out right now. (laughs) I like it. I like it. You were a prodigy of pets, right? Hey, listeners, Warren Eckstein, he wears so many collars in the pet world. Let's see. He's a pet behaviorist. He's a best-selling author. He's an animal communicator. He's a pet psychologist and trainer. His call-in show, which I love that format, The Pet Show with Warren Eckstein is heard on uh, KRLA in Los Angeles, but it's syndicated internationally by Radio America. We're going to find out more about the man behind the mic after we take this commercial break. So you know the drill. Sit and stay. We'll be right back. Time for a pause. Four furry ones actually sit and stay. All Behave will be right back. Hey, Pet Pals, Arden Moore here. Got dog? Of course you do. Our friends at Carlson Pet Products have some great products to keep your dog happy and safe. They have a lineup of decorative and durable doorway gates. Hey, I got two, and I love them. They keep my dogs, Kona and Emma, out of the two rooms where my cat's litter boxes are. My cats are able to slip in and out of the small opening of the gate when needed. I installed these gates in minutes. The gates are easy to use and match my decor. Learn more by dashing over to carlsonpetproducts.com today. You'll be glad you did. Get 25% off your order plus free shipping using the promo code PETLIFE at carlsonpetproducts.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. All Behave is back with more tail-wagging ways to achieve harmony in the household with your pets. Now back to your fetching host, America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Welcome back to the Old Behave Show on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Arden Moore. Our special guest has been called the Dr. Phil of Pets. I think it should have been, Dr. Phil should have been called the Warren Eckstein of people, <laughs> right? I'm on your side for sure. Yeah, move over, Dr. Phil. We got Warren in the house. I love that you take this hugs and kisses approach to helping dogs, cats, rabbits, so many different kinds of pets. You've trained 
pets for celebrity in Hollywood. And uh, we're going to get into it, even members of the mob. I am just delighted and honored to have you on our show today, Warren. Thanks for being here. Hey, I am so glad to be with you. You know, it, it, it's my pleasure. And I love to do anything that promotes better relationships between people and their pets. And you got kind of like the record for the longest continuous running pet radio show. Is that correct? Yeah, it's going to be 40 years, actually 40 years coming up in November. Obviously, I'm a New Yorker. You never know by my accent. I couldn't though. tell. Couldn't tell. Uh, and I started out doing local radio, well, guesting on local radio shows in New York. And, and one thing led to another. And I was doing more TV than I was doing radio. But the radio gives me the opportunity to respond directly to the, the pet guardians out there. Yeah. And I wanted to let you know, humbly, Pet Life Radio, my show, Oh Behave, is the longest continuously running pet podcast airing. Congratulations. But I'm nowhere near the four decade mark. But <laughs> give me some time. Give me some time. But uh, I've always been a fan of yours. And what I love is the call in format. Our show is recorded. Obviously, we have guests, but you got to be on your toes or on the tips of your paws, don't you? Because you never know what the guests are going to ask you. Uh, believe me, I don't know. I mean, I get some of the most strangest calls. And, and But, you know, the one thing that I've kept in the back of my head all this time is if they're calling me, they yeah. really want a resolution. Right. And, and I think that's so important. That's why I'll spend as much time with them as I possibly can. And, and uh, I have listeners that have called me. This is now their third or fourth pet. And they've called me with really? questions about their pet. So I just love what I do. Like you, I, you know, it's not a job. It's actually a call. Oh, I totally get it. And let's talk because you threw some questions my way and I was listening. Uh, you helped a rabbit that was licking an outlet, which is not a good thing. Um, <laughs> and you were like, well, what kind of rabbit is it? What's its size? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, the guy knows bunnies. I do. You know, there's not too many pets I haven't dealt with. Primarily, as you know, uh, questions about behavior are usually dog and cat. Every once in a while, I'll, you know, get the bird and I get the uh, assertive lizard as well. Oh, I hate assertive lizards, don't you? Assertive lizards are the worst, aren't they? Uh, they can be pretty. I, I had an argument with a tegu just the other day. Well, let's roll back in time. It's before your first time behind the microphone. Who the heck is Warren Eckstein and what got you into pets? Well, you know, I grew up on Long Island and a typical Long Island Jewish household where we were the first of the family to move to Long Island. So on weekends and during the week, the entire Bronx and Brooklyn and Queens came out to our house on Long Island. All the boroughs came to see you, right? They, but it was, I was really shy as a kid. I mean, you wouldn't know it now, but I was really shy as a kid. And behind my parents' house was a, a little creek and, and wildlife sanctuary. Not real sanctuary, but there was a creek with, you know, muskrats and rats and, and, and ducks and geese and snapping turtles and real rats. And when all this family came out, I needed to get away. And I realized I, I right you. then and there that spending time with the animals is exactly where I wanted to be. So it all started kind of in a little creek in Oceanside. And then I spent a lot of years overseas. And that's where I really learned the bulk of my training. And you were into animal communications behavior, I think, before people like a Dr. Marty Becker were even around, right? Yeah. And the reason for that is when I first started, and this is an interesting story, and I think it's in my biography, uh, who wanted to know of a pet psychologist? We didn't exist. I was it. And, and I, got, I got my start, actually. I had just gotten married, and I needed a job. There was no job for, what do you put, pet psychologist in the paper? So I worked at a dry cleaner. And oh. people would come in, the same people every week with, with their clothes. And I'd see dog hair, cat hair. They'd ask me all kinds of questions. I'd resolve some of the issues. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, there's a need for my knowledge. Yeah. But how do I get it out there? So I took an ad in a very affluent area of Long Island. 
an affluent Jewish area called the Five Towns. And the ad read, we'll teach your dog Yiddish for $15. Now you think that's funny. Oy vey. Oy vey is right. But that's not the funny part. Right? The funny part is people called. <laughs> really? And so what I did is for $15, I would come to your home. And whether you had Benji or Cujo, I would resolve any issues you had. And it occurred to me that so many of the people I were going to see or calling me had already gone through trainers. And I said, what's the problem? There are some great trainers. There's got to be. There weren't that many back then. You know, but back then, trainers were $200, a six or an eight-week course, I'll train your dog, or $300, I'll train your dog. But the questions I was getting, Arden, wasn't about sit, stay, heal, down. It was about first pet psychology. My dog hates my other dog. Or I yep. want to get a new cat. How do I introduce them? And no one was really confronting the behavioral issues at that point. They were focused on heal, sit, stay down and come. That's important. Oh, and my least favorite, heal. And heal. Yeah. I did. You know, I just did this the other day. I, I hope I can talk about it on your, on your show. Yeah, but you'll it's follow behave so you don't have to behave. I was out walking my two guys. And let's give a little shout out, Molly and Lily. Molly and Willie. Molly and Willie. I adopted them sight unseen. They told me they were chihuahuas. I got there. They had no tails. They turned out to be chai pins, chihuahua mini pin mixes. I never heard the word chai pin in my life, but that's what they were. So anyway, I'm, I'm walking them on the street and there's this guy with this beautiful, beautiful dog. It was a shepherd. I call him blended breed. It was a shepherd and the dog was lifting his leg, peeing on a tree as a dog would do. And the owner's pulling the leash saying, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And I walked over to the guy. I become a lot less shy in my old days. And I said, listen, I would love to stand behind you with a urinal and say, come on, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go. So I realized that people were not giving their dogs the opportunity to be a dog. And you very know that important. as well as I do. Yes, very important. Uh, when you take a dog for a walk, it's actually the dog's walk. And, and people, you know, dog sniffing the other dog in, in the butt and they're saying, stop it, stop it. That's the internet for your dog. That's Google. That's Instagram. That's all is right there, or TikTok. So as a behaviorist and a trainer, both of us realize that the bulk of information a dog receives is via his nose, not via his eyes. Right. So giving the dog the opportunity to be a dog and even a cat to be a cat, too many people were micromanaging their dog. Well, they still are to some degree. I the word alpha. It drives me absolutely crazy. Good. Because people Good. really don't understand what it means. Well, let's get into that because I'm hoping the word heal and the word alpha will disappear from the dog kingdom. You and me both. You and me both. But, you know, most people assume Alpha is the leader of the pack, the toughest dog in the pack. That's not the case. When I was studying in Europe, I happened to, to sneak into East Germany where I wasn't allowed to be and work with a large Schutzhund ring sport training group. There. Oh, wow. And I, I learned an awful lot. One of the things I learned is that the true Alpha is a couple. It's not one or the other. It's the couple. It's, it's the wolves that breed the best. They're the parents. They're not in charge, but they're the parents. They educate, they play, they teach how to hunt. So this whole concept that you have to be the boss over your dog, it just drives me crazy. And I'm so tired of saying, uh, people saying that, you know, you got to do the alpha role and you got to be the boss of your dog and the dog's got to listen to you hundred percent of the time. Nonsense. That's boring. I like a dog that listens to me maybe 80% of the time. And once in a while looks up and says to me, Arden, Warren, are you talking to me? That's the kind of dog I like. <laughs> One that listens to you more than our spouses, maybe? Well, you know, I just said, would you rather, this was a question on my show this week. Would you rather sleep next to your dog or next to your spouse? Oh, good question. 5% of my listeners said, husband's out, wife's out, dog is in. This is great. I wish the show was only not only just a half hour because I'm just getting tuned in to Warren <laughs> right now. But you've touched upon a few things. You've been doing this for 
40 years and listen to the enthusiasm still in your voice. You're still learning, aren't you? And you're still sharing. You know, you never learn something thoroughly. And I've trained probably over 40,000 or worked with over 40,000 dogs. And I've never met two that would train the same way. I'm glad to hear that because they're like individuals. They're sentient beings. Yeah, And not only that, they're like individuals, but also as a behaviorist and as a trainer, especially the type of training that I like to do. And, and when I was training, it was primarily in the home with the person because I want to see the environment. I want to meet the 2.5 kids, the, the <laughs> schnoodle next door or whatever. You know, it just occurred to me that, that, that really what was needed was someone that can educate people about their pet's behavior without necessarily talking down to them. That's an art. And nowadays, when I, again, when I started out, there wasn't many. The hardest thing to find in America right now is someone that's not a dog trainer. Yeah. I think the only one would be somebody that only loves cats. <laughs> there, there you go. And, and it's interesting because a lot of the calls I get on the radio show, and I'm assuming, you know, most people get them is, well, did you do any training? They, they call me up and the dog's jumping. Well, did you do any training with your dog? Did you educate your dog at all? Oh, we hired a trainer. We paid him and the dog knows everything. <laughs> but I said, the dog knows everything at 11 o'clock at night when you're watching the news. But if you take the dog outside at 11 o'clock at night, and there's a dog across the street. Here comes Cujo. And so many people, a prime example of bad advice. Okay. I love dog that. barking at the front window. Okay. Right? Dog barks at the front window all the time. The guardian comes in and starts yelling, knock it off. Shut up. You drive me crazy. Wait till daddy comes home. And I have to explain to them from the dog's perspective, you're not correcting the behavior. You're joining in with the behavior. You're now part of the behavior. It's you're a chorus of yep, yep, yep. Exactly. So sometimes it's better for the person just to shut up and let the dog bark a little bit. So what I'm hearing from you, Warren, is it might be a little trickier to train the two-legger than the four-legger. Oh, not I've never charged a dollar for training a dog. It's always the guardians. It's always the guardians. I mean, the typical family. The husband tells the dog to jump up. The wife tells the dog to get down. The dog calls me on the phone and say, hey, Warren, isn't that the definition of neurosis? So part of being a good trainer of behaviors, whether you're working with dogs or cats, is bringing the family together. In other words, having that everyone pretty much, not going to get everyone to do it the same way, but everyone to pretty much agree in terms of this is the way we're going to let the dog on a couch or we're not going to let the dog on a couch. Make up your mind. Don't confuse your dog or cat. It's the C word, consistency. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh you hit the nail right on the head with dogs and cats for that matter. Well, you had some wild questions asked your way on your call in. I'm intrigued by one that was shared is my dog going through a midlife crisis. Yeah. You know, people don't, you know, when I first started talking about that, they almost put me away or right? they really tried to put me away. But if you think about it, you know, we go through a midlife crisis. We may get a new car, a new haircut, a new outfit, a new husband, a new girlfriend, whatever. And the dog's life is consistent. It's consistent, which is always good. But sometimes when they get a little bit older, walking around the same block is boring. That same leash, that same collar, that same food dish, that same darn bed that I slept into the last nine years. Get rid of it. All. Get me something new. Give okay. me some more life. So I do believe that as our dogs reach that middle age, and it could be some dogs at two, some dogs at five, change things up a little bit. Keep the way you treat the dog consistent, but give them some new things to play with. Give them some new places to go. I like uh, that. They do go through a midlife crisis. I would say the majority of dog and cat depression I deal with is about at that midlife because everyone treated them great when they were puppies. They schmoozed them when they're older. It's kind of that middle of the road place where the dog will take care of himself and, and they still need to be schmoozed at that point as well. 
Hey folks, we're speaking with Warren Eckstein. He is the host of The Pet Show. You got to check it out. It's been on the air for 40 years. It's going to go on for another 40. I, I'm just putting money down right now. We're going to get more into what the heck COVID has done to our pets with one of the top experts on that subject right after we take this commercial break. So sit, stay, we'll be right back. Time for a walk on the red carpet, of course. All Behave will be back in a flash right after these messages. Hey, pet pals, Arden Moore here. Is your dog or cat prone to ear infections? Does your pet resist having his ears cleaned when they're inflamed or irritated? Are you also concerned about the overuse of antibiotics? Help is here. Zymox ear care products offer soothing relief and <laughs> you'll love this part. They don't require the ear to be cleaned before you apply the drops. It's as easy as fill, rub, and done. That means less touching of those sensitive ears to help create a soothing, fear-free experience. And you only apply once a day. Here's another perk. Zymox gets its effectiveness from enzymes, not antibiotics. That means no side effects and no antibiotic resistance. You can find these veterinarian recommended products through your veterinarian, most pet specialty retailers, and online. And here's a real treat. Yeah, I did say the word treat. You can save 20% off any Zymox or Oratine product on Zymox.com. Just enter the code ARDEN20 at checkout. That's ARDEN20. To learn more, visit Zymox.com. That's Z ymox.com pause up let's talk pets let's talk pets on pet life radio pet life radio PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, this is Lily Tomlin, and I invite you to listen to the Old Behave show with Arden Moore on Pet Life Radio We're back from the lot just checked the paper and we had a record showing at the box the letterbox that is now back to obehave here's arden welcome back to the obehave show on pet life radio i'm your host arden moore i'm having a great time talking to the warren Eckstein. i'm talking about animal therapist pet psychologist communicator best-selling author cool guy i like that title too you like cool guy cool guy's pretty good I, i'm not so thrilled with the communicator okay 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 that's what people call me a communicator they okay if you differentiate a communicator from a pet psychologist or pet, okay. pet psychic, you got me. Okay. I work with way too many pet psychics. There are some out there that impress me, but for the most part, not overly impressed. I remember I did one show with a very famous pet psychic. We're in the green room and she looks at the guardian of the dog that she's going to be talking about on the air. And she says to them, well, how did you get the dog? And said, well, he was a stray on the street. We got him. He was thin and all scarred up. They get on TV and the psychic says to the host, I can tell right off the bat that dog had a hard life. Wow, how observant. Exactly. Where did you come up with that from what you just heard? So there are some good psychics out there. Communicating with pets is simply this. Okay. I have always tried to look at any behavior issues and try to resolve them from the, the pet's point of view. So what are a few tips you can give folks? Well, for example, let's say you have a dog that's digging in the backyard. Okay. Most trainers and behaviors, stuff, the dog's digging in the backyard, you know, tell them no, shake a kid. Well, God knows what they do. Not Warren. In my backyard, I'd love to take you there now, there's a kiddie pool. In that kiddie pool, it's filled with sand and dirt. Before I got the two guys in the kiddie pool, I went in there, buried their toys, and made believe I was digging for them. I'm sure glad you didn't bury something else in You're there. You're right. Warren. You're absolutely right. So now my guys go in my backyard, 
I can have my one tomato plant, which is on its last legs. <laughs> and they have their own place. Stick. And I've literally recommended that to so many callers because a lot of people don't want their backyards dug up. No, I like that. They have a right to some resources of their own, right? And they have a need to dig. It's, you know, dogs have sink plans. On, you know, people ask me, why does my dog dance a little bit after he poops? Well, dogs have sink plans on the bottom of their feet. So they're just reinforcing their scent. Or why does my dog lift his leg so high when he pees? That's dominant behavior. The oh, yeah. higher the lift, the more dominant the dog. My guys pee a little low, so I'm okay. Well, I'm laughing because I lost our 90-pound dog. She passed away. We got a nine pound. We think it's Emma is a dachshund meta poodle, a doxy poo. And uh, we have a 35 pound terrier mix named Kona, who is my pet first aid dog, therapy dog trained. But when little Emma pees, she lifts her whole back carriage up in the air. She looks like a wheelbarrow. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, you got some confidence, right, Warren? <laughs> They're amazing. I'm so glad you do some therapy work because that was, you know, deep in my heart years ago. Back then, it wasn't called anything but dogs for the handicapped people. And at that point, I was working as a, the head trainer for Assistance Dogs International up in, in Brewster, New York. Oh, nice. And um, no one was really doing any therapy work other than seeing eye guide dog things. So yeah. you know, I actually got to work with the first dog to uh, be in control of uh, predicting a seizure, oh, an epileptic nice. seizure. Yeah. So I trained yeah. the first dog to do that it was a woman that lived in uh, in Boston. Oh. And what happened is when she would have a seizure, even if she was with the dog, people thought she was drunk and alcoholic. Which, and, and so we got a special, I think it was the first best ever made for dog saying, no, this is what the problem is. And this is who you have to call and get her there. Wow. And some of the first hearing dogs. So I'm a big believer in, in the concept that therapy dog training is critical, critical. I think it's so important for people out there. What gets me now is that there are so many phonies doing it. I know they slap it on their vest. I, I just came back from my first airplane trip. I went to San Diego to see my cool 97 year old friend. And on the plane was a very frightened mini poodle, not groomed, slapped on service dog on a zip lead leash. And I'm like, really? Wow. Yeah. It, you know, it, it amazes me. I, there's such a need for it, but people abusing it victimize the people that really do need exactly, it. Exactly. Exactly. And they don't understand that. So I'm a big fan of that. And I'm a big fan of the, the people that are involved with it, as well as is working with disabled dogs. One of my close friends runs Pets with Disabilities in Maryland. Oh, nice. In fact, I wrote the forward for her book. And I'm such a believer that dogs, especially, and this is another way they're, they're I guess, stronger than people. They deal with any challenges they have. They lose a leg, no big deal. They go deaf, no big deal. They go blind, no big deal. They adapt. And, and it just amazes me how many dogs I've worked with. I had some of the first dogs on TV with me that used wheelchairs. And um, people never knew dogs had wheelchairs. I'm talking about maybe oh, 25, yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And now I, li I live in, in, in Santa Monica. If I go for a walk down by the beach, there are literally lots of dogs in wheelchairs that are loving life and enjoying life to the fullest, even though they have some challenges. Wow. Hey, speaking, we got to do a little celebrity dish here because I'm seeing this uh, stuff. You've helped uh, Al Pacino, Lily Tomlin, Roger Dangerfield, Kathy Lee Gifford, and uh, some members of the mob not to be identified. Well, I didn't identify them for many, many years. I identified them recently only because they're dead. Um, <laughs> I just saw the new Sopranos prelude movie. I just didn't know if you. Well, I worked with, I didn't work with the Sopranos. I worked with some of the people that were the Sopranos was based on in New Jersey. Let me, <laughs> the real and, guys. <laughs> let me just mention one name, Carlo Gambino. That says it all. OK, yeah, that, yeah, that says it. And you know what? What kind of dog did Carlo have? Gambino. I didn't know whether they were in the mob. I found that sometimes <laughs> afterwards I trained their dogs. They paid me. That was done. But then I had the opportunity to work with people like Cheryl Teagues and 
Lily Tomlin, an amazing woman, Lily Tomlin. Oh, she's and, been on our show. I love her. And tell us about your experience with Lily. I love the, the show. I love her. I met Lily Tomlin. I was doing a guest spot on The Tonight Show. And at the end of the show, I hear, Warren, Warren, Warren. And Lily comes running over to the room, whatever room I was in. And she sits down uh, with her friend. Uh, and we're talking back and forth. And she didn't have the dog with her at that time. She said, you know, I have a, a Norwich Terrier named Tess. And Tess is like, sometimes she's great. Sometimes she's crazy. Sometimes she's aggressive. So I went to Lily's house a couple of weeks later. By the way, an incredible house. It was furnished with all the furniture from the incredible shrinking woman. And, and so the big rocking chair from oh, laughing yeah, was a backyard yeah, yeah. pool chair. Her, her, uh, her, uh, her yeah, exactly. Her, her coffee table was the cassette, the large cassette player from the incredible shrinking woman. Wow. Well, anyway, she had this dog, Tess, and I'm evaluating this dog and, and I'm looking at this dog and I'm spending time with Lily when I grab something to eat. And I realized that Lily practices maybe four or five different personalities every day. Oh, wow. So okay. the dog was like working with Sybil. The dog had multiple personalities. Who's my mama? Who's my mama? The, the, the most loved dog in the world. In fact, when she came to New York to do the uh, the uh, one woman show, I spent a lot of time at the theater with the dog. So how did you help Tess? Because you had to let Tess know she's just acting. Well, you know, what I did is I'd spend one time a day, 25 minutes a day, just being Lily. I just oh. want you to be Lily. And that's the time. I, and then later on, she called me back because she got a pet goat she wanted me to train named Bucky. Uh, An nah. amazing lady. <laughs> If you talk to her, you know, Arden. she's just yes. one of those women that are sincere, yes, honest, no facade, and the most incredible compassion. I mean, right now she's working to help some elephants, the most incredible compassion yes. Yes. of some of the people that I ever met. So she was just one of my favorite, one of my favorite, her and Rodney Dangerfield was my favorite. Well, yeah, give a little respect to Rodney. Tell us about I'll give you Rodney. some respect. Okay. I trained his dog. It was a little poodle. He called me up. His name was Jack Roy. He didn't use his real name in his apartment. And he, uh, I go through the apartment. Here's this little dog. He answers the door in a bathrobe that I would not wear if I was a hermit in Wyoming. That's how he answered the door. So we're sitting there. And Please I'm, tell I'm, me it wasn't see-through and short. No, it wasn't see-through. Thank goodness. But I'm, I'm asking about the dog. And I, I realize I'm a big Rodney Dangerfield fan. So I'm a little starstruck. And he said, ah, the dog pees all over the place. So I helped him work that out. We worked out that problem. We became friendly. And he invited me to his show oh, many nice. times into his, into his uh, uh, comedy club. And the funniest thing he ever said to me, he said, you can use this one. Talk about no respect. My dog closes his eyes before he humps my leg. I had to walk away. I had to. But also, also <laughs> so many people in the celebrity field and in the political field as well. I trained Mayor Conscious Dog because there's so many demands put on them 24-7. The only time they can kick off their shoes and, and have bad breath and be themselves is yeah. with their pets. Exactly. And, and that's why so many people in celebrity and other high positions have an incredible relationship with their dogs and cats. Well, what I also want you to speak a little bit about is your hug and kisses animal fund. I know you and you did it in memory of your belated wife, Faye. So tell us about that. Yeah, Faye passed away. We were married for, I knew Faye since she was 12 years old and I kind of re-met her when I was on leave from the, uh, the Air Force. We worked together. There was nothing. So we worked together. We got married. I told you about the dry cleaners. So after working together for 19 years, we married for 19 years, Faye developed melanoma and passed away within six months at 36 years old. Oh, no. Here I am now with, with I had 30 dogs, two 1,200-pound pigs, six chickens, six ducks, and a little sanctuary I had in upstate New York. And Faye had worked alongside of me for years and years and years. I mean, you know, we were adopting dogs with uh, two legs, one, whatever. We just had 30 dogs that were adopted. So wow. after Faye passed away, 
after I did my grieving, which never goes away, I started the Hugs and Kisses Animal Fund on her behalf. And the reason I started it, I serve on the board of directors for By the Way, the oldest no-kill in the country. I serve on the board of directors for many, many organizations. And all the organizations had one thing in common. They were getting a lot of donations, but the bulk of the work was being done by the small mom and pop groups that no one ever heard of. The group exactly. that needs 50 bucks for a white elephant sale to spay and neuter an animal. So what I decided to do was start the Hugs and Kisses Animal Fund with my current wife, Faye, who is absolutely, uh, Faye, current wife, Denise, who is admired with animals as I am. She's crazy about them as I do. That's how we met, by the way. But anyway, uh, the Hugs and Kisses Animal Fund is a nonprofit 501c3. And what we do is we don't donate large chunks of money, but, you know, 500 here, 1,000 here, 300 here. And to these groups you never heard of. And now we've literally given to groups in all 50 states in the country. Kudos. When we just got a note from someone last week, we donated $500. They said to us, it was in Maine. They said, you could not believe how that $500 made a difference. We have a van we used to take our dogs and cats to the vet for spaying and neutering. The van broke down. We didn't have money to fix their transmission. That $500 gave us the money to get that van fixed. And now we continue spaying and neutering. That's what makes Hugs and Kisses different. What's the website so we can get people oh, it, there? It, you can go to the hugsandkissesanimalfund.org. Perfect. Hugsandkissesanimalfund.org. There's also a link on my personal website, which is thepetshow.com. Thepetshow.com. I love that because you are the pet show. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you don't need any other big fancy adjective, right? No, it's, it, that's what I do. It's the, the show's about pets. What else would I call it? I thought that was pretty cool because I'm thinking 40 years ago, don't be over clever, right? I, you'd never, I've never been accused of being over clever. Let me, let me tell you that for the record right now. Well, before we leave, I'm, I'm so curious that it says that you've been bitten by a python, de-fingered by a mongoose, and found yourself locked in a lion's cage. Uh, dude, did you make the wrong turn? I, I, let me tell you, I, this middle finger, I'm not going to hold it up because I don't want anyone to suggest. But anyway, this thing was hanging off by a tendon. I was wow. bitten. Uh, yeah, it was bitten by a, uh, it wasn't really a mongoose. It was like a, like a mongoose, but it was a big lizard. And then in San Francisco, uh, I was doing a segment on TV with rodents. I call it rodent mania. I bought every kind of rodent on the air. And then I had to do another segment. You know how that goes. You do a backup segment right, right after that. The backup segment was with venomous snakes. Oh, so great. now. So now, and I love snakes, but I'm not the greatest snake person in the world. Let me put that right out there. So now I didn't get a chance to wash my hands. So I'm going to handle the snakes. And I had the rodent smell on oh, my hands. Fresh meat. One of the rattlesnakes nabbed me. And man, I got to tell you, I'm a oh. veteran. I can take pain. And I've never felt the pain. I was in the hospital for two or three days. Wow. Knock on wood. That's why I'm also, also very, very uh, helpful for people that live in areas where there are snakes to do some snake abatement in terms of that. That's oh, really critical. Definitely. And what about being in a lion's cage? That was Flushing Meadows Zoo. I was <laughs> there doing a piece for Channel 5 in New York. And there were two cubs in the cage. And I said, okay, I'll go in with the two cubs. They were about 90 pounds, 85 pounds. I'll go in with the two cubs as long as the mother's not near them. I said, okay, well, the mother's in that cage next to you. You can go in with them. So I'm looking in, I'm playing with them, and they're beating me up a little bit. We're having fun. And all of a sudden, I see the, the guillotine door where the mother is coming <gasps> up. No. And I'm watching, and it's coming up. And I got out of the cage, but it turned out that the moron zookeeper that I was with used a uh, plastic bag tie. On well, that'll lock. keep out any line, mama. Oh, line, of course, of course. So, so that was an experience. So I've had opportunities of working with uh, with some of the big cats, and and they're amazing. But my belief is they should never be in circuses or zoos. They should be in the wild where they belong. Hey, before we let you go, our pets have saved our tails during COVID. I can speak 
I love my uh, furry Brady Bunch. Shout out to my dogs and cats. When we got married, we merged. Sounds like familiar. What advice can you give the humans as far as how great our dogs and cats and other pets have been to keep our sanity during this crazy pandemic? You know, our mental status is definitely related to our physiological status. And I absolutely believe, and I hear this all the time from listeners, that having a pet in the household during COVID gave them the opportunity to receive and give affection, which they were unable to do with family members. And I would say that the majority of them would have said to me that, you know what, I don't know what would have happened if I did not have my dog or cat with me. So that non-demanding, that love you no matter what relationship was so critical to so many thousands of people. And the good thing is so many thousands of dogs and cats found their homes due to COVID. So if there's anything good about COVID, it's pretty hard to find. It's that a lot of animals found their homes. All right. Well, I want you to keep all your fingers intact. Stay away (laughs) from uh, pythons, mongoose, and keep doing what you're doing. Uh, Folks, I have had a great time. Our special guest has been Warren Eckstein. Yeah, the host of The Pet Show, been on the air for 40 years. He's got 40 more to go. Please check that out. Please also check out the Hugs and Kisses Foundation. You said that would be Hugs and Kisses. Hugs and Kisses Animal Fund.org. Yes, we definitely want to do that. And Thank you for being a guest. I hope you had a good time. I had a great time, Martin. Anytime, anytime I can talk to you about animals, I'm in a great mood. So anytime you want to call me, just shout out. I have nothing else to do anymore. At this time also, I want to give a big shout out to my producer, Mark Winter. He's the executive director of Pet Life Radio. I call him the surgeon of sound. What do you think? The surgeon. I like that. I'm going to have to say that. I'm going to steal that. The surgeon of sound. I'll get points. And we humbly are the largest podcast network on pets in the planet. But you, you, sir, you invented the whole pet show on the radio. So we thank you for that. And until next time, everyone, I am your flea-free host, Arden Moore, delivering just two words to all you two, three, and four-leggers out there. Oh, behave. Coast to coast and around the world, it's Oh, Behave with Arden Moore. Find out why cats and dogs do the things they do and get the latest buzz from wagging tongues and tails in Rin Tin Tinseltown. From famous pet experts and best-selling authors to television and movie stars, you'll get great tail-wagging pet tips and have a fur-flying fun time. All behave with America's pet edutainer, Arden Moore. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.